Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. David, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. It's been a long, long time since, I guess, before we I revised this whole studio and everything. It was three years. I would say three years. You look great. Fantastic. I oh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's been a minute for sure. Um, definitely new, new place. Uh, moved around, you know, life <laughs> progresses. But, you know, it's always good to reconnect. Have you got pessimist or pessimistic as you've gotten older? I've gotten a lot more pessimistic since the last time we talked. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know, man. I don't think I don't think I've gotten more pessimistic. I've if I I've if anything, I feel like I've changed my approach maybe a little bit since we last talked. It's like I don't know. It felt I, I started to feel like everyone was taking stuff like a lot of things really seriously. And like, I felt like a lot of people were kind of getting, were losing themselves, you know, and in the seriousness of it all. So I've just kind of tried to take a step back a little bit and not take it all so seriously, you know, and kind of try and find the humor and stuff and just try and find the jokes because man, there's just so much coming at you every day that like, if you really take, you know, it'll wear you down, you know, like, you know, like the doom scrolling and, and you see all this stuff, uh, all the negativity out there, right? Like it just feels like there's so much of it. So, uh, so yeah, man, I've tried to sort of change that approach a little bit because I mean, I think when we've talked before, I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. You know, I still feel strongly about the, the things we've talked about, but, but man, like, yeah, it's, it definitely, I think sometimes we don't realize the way some of, uh, this anxiety and the stress that this stuff it's kind of almost subconscious. We don't even realize how stressed we're being and stressed out we're getting. And, and sometimes it starts to manifest itself in ways. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, that's, that's so, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I realized I was starting to probably get a little too stressed out over things that were not immediately influencing my life. And I don't know, I felt like it was important to, to try and start to look for the humor and things. And yeah, man, uh, I think if you talk about a lot of serious problems, I think we talked about a lot of political stuff in the past and did jokes and stuff like that as well on it too. But you can, there's nothing we can do about it. Like talking about it, like it may, people make a lot of sense about it. When people go, oh, you're just a guy on a podcast shouting into a voice. Like, yeah, it is. It is 100%. It really sucks. I mean, maybe you can get some new eyes and new people to hear you out on some things. But the best thing you can do is just try not to kill yourself with stress. Like stress is beneficial at times, but also too much stress. And, you know, I get really antsy when people start like the words we use now, the whole language has changed. Like everyone uses anxiety more than I've ever seen it before, at least from the last time we talked. Everyone uses depression. Everyone uses these and these toss out these terms like, you know, during the pandemic, I'm not even we're not going to go into the whole pandemic topic, but that became an excuse for things being late delivery wise. Eventually, like a year later, people are like, oh, because of the pan. And it's just like, well, what the you can't keep using that excuse for the Domino's pizza not showing up 30 minutes less or wait, that's Pizza Hut. So, you know, it became like one of those excuse things. And now, like, I'm actually kind of concerned because like I get interested in the topic of ADHD and then there's like an Adderall shortage and there's all these types of thing. I'm like, well, are you guys prescribing the shit out of it? And have you looked for any other methods to be able to solve that solution? Or have you just found the one that works and like that's all we're ever going to do you know like so i i try and focus on things that are relatively big problems but i don't think people are really necessarily aware of which i don't know what people are aware of to be honest uh, yeah dude no i agree though like you know and that's how I, I exactly how i feel it's like i sometimes like i i feel like if people were aware of the problems right they wouldn't be problems because we would take steps to fix them collectively like you know we uh, as we we as a community 
try to relay understanding of an issue to each other versus being like foot soldiers in, in sort of like, you know, a war between two political parties. Um, and, uh, and that's really what it's just turned into. And, uh, and so, but you know, I try to talk about, you know, the things like, you know, the, uh, the, you know, Snowden NSA stuff, you know, kind of like healthcare, you know, things like that, things that are like, uh, that do affect the quality of people's lives. You know, the, you know, your ability to keep your business private, uh, affects the quality of your life. Like, you know, if the government can get leverage over you by just listening to your conversations without any restrictions, like that's, there's something wrong with that. And I think most people should agree with that. Um, and then too, when you look at the healthcare system, it's like, you know, it's clearly, uh, you know, for profit, you know, system that's that definitely runs over the little man and it's like anybody that looks at it you know i feel like that gets so politicized it's like but at the end of the day that's what's going on it's like and people are like well we can't we can't socialize we can't do it's like look i don't know what needs to happen but there needs to be something that changes here because like it, it something's got to give it's too expensive you're driving the cost up and it's just i don't know like so those are, but those are basically the two things i really do care about when it comes to politics and and stuff is just like because that's what affects people directly you know is like uh what, your interaction with authority and then our ability to stay healthy and uh and do business in the the marketplace because like don't get me wrong like you know i i'm not like gonna you know because so many people want to prescribe their belief to it and it's like i don't i don't know i'm not an expert on it but i think if you look at it it's pretty clear what's going on there it's you know, the costs are skyrocketing. Do you look at the way insurance companies deal with hospitals and they like make basically just like make up numbers um, and like pull them out of their ass and just, and so I don't know, there's just so lack of transparency around all that. We've talked about it before, man. Like, you know, well, those things age, that it's the age of information. We, we, we have this, the cell phone that can basically look up anything you want. You can get any opinion you really want through the device. So it's going to be very, very hard. But if a doctor tells you one thing, you go, well, I read this and then this, I understand the doctor's perspective of that. But for the longest time, doctors never had that option of the internet being in some customer or some patient's pocket to where they could be fact-checked on things. So their final word or their word was law which becomes an issue because there's a lot of doctors and I think most people would agree that you know the individual time that a doctor has for an, each individual patient is not much. I mean to get to know you. I mean I got a doctor's appointment that was booked in fucking March and it's for September. And I was like how the hell do you expect me to remember or like to like write it down? I was like yeah, but it's so far out. Like what happens if I I don't know like to me that doesn't seem like care. And like, do you want to come here more? I'm like, no, hell no, I don't want to come here more. But it's just the fact that you guys book appointments so far out and, you know, it's hard to get a connection there. And that's kind of where it starts is like for the longest time, people could toss out terms like academics when I talk to them. They'll toss out something and they'll just expect you just since you probably don't know it or you don't know stuff like that. And I've educated myself in some of these topics, but I'll catch them. Like, isn't the controversial side of that this? And we can talk about this topics because one of your interests national security stuff what the government does in the area of like secrecy and all these types of things where their control steps into the privacy rights things i've talked to the national security side of things and i've talked to the opposite end who's like hardcore leftists that want to tear up the agencies and all that type of stuff which i would probably side with more but the fact that like you can 
put something like it's national security and then nobody questions it. That's a problem. That's a really big problem because I had a friend who got his house raided by the FBI uh, because he was taking photos of Area 51. He was on like Fox News and everything like that. And he does nothing but have a blog about Area 51. He's like, it's not conspiracy stuff. It's just really cool government tech. And they raided his house and gave him no explanation why. Had him out in the middle of the street in his underwear and $32,000 worth of damages. That can happen to any single person. Mm -hmm. That's the real important stuff. Like, are we helping each other out or are we letting these people steamroll the hell out of us? And that's a big issue. Yeah, you know, that's always kind of been the, you know, dynamic between the right and the left is... You know, the right typically is, you know, the conservatives are typically there to conserve they're the conspiracy theorists, the system, you know, uh, they're there to like support, you know, their uh, the system basically and conserve the uh, the infrastructure. And then you have the people on the, the left, you know, who are care about people. So it's like and that's and that's just a, again, that's not like everybody, you know, it's just a general dynamic. Uh how it's supposed to kind of work is one side keeps the other in check one because one side is always kind of looking out for how is this affecting people's lives is this is this policy you know steamrolling people or is this actually you know doing what it's supposed to or is this an ethical use of the government or in or law you know uh that's their purpose but like you know you see how you know it's all fucked now it's like it, everything is they're mostly all just bought and paid for by wall street defense industry capitalism is real i've i think pharmaceutical I've, industry owns the government it's just like it's what it is, it's is mega corporations own the government <laughs> and like uh yeah i don't know it's just so so but like you're saying we try to talk about things that we think people aren't aware of now when we say that i think we mean in at the aggregate you know it's like most people because there's definitely people out here that are aware of this stuff that talk about it because we talk about it we've heard it from other people like so you know there's definitely conversations happening but also i do think there's that element of you know sneaking this stuff in or just like dropping it in places where you know it might not normally be that might pique someone's interest that might not you know necessarily know what you're talking about you know so they want to know more and then they go down that rabbit hole right so you know i don't necessarily think it's uh it's bad but you know at the same time though i don't know you know it's like at the same time sometimes i'm like am i just being fucking annoyed do people know this or am i just being annoying <laughs> you know they're like yeah we get it dude yeah. you know the government's looking at all our shit we don't fucking care <laughs> i'm like all right i don't know uh maybe maybe it's Maybe it is that going that way, but uh, well, people cared in, about it in the seventies. I mean, there's a um, and I'll just this probably bring us down a different rabbit hole, but um, there's a guy named Hale Boggs, and you can watch a video of him. I actually think I put it on my TikTok, um, but Hale Boggs in seventy one started calling out J Edgar Hoover and his FBI, and what he said, and it's on video, everyone can watch it on AP News. He was just saying that Hoover is wiretapping people. He's you know some of the, our own politicians. He's investigating us. He's doing a bunch of things that without anybody like really knowing like secretly and this all came out in watergate that the fbi was wiretapping americans and doing a bunch of things that they're not supposed to be doing well in 71 he says that on video and then in 72 six months later he's killed so i mean well by, by killed i mean his airplane goes missing in alaska which is very very suspicious because they never found any parts and there were no remains and that's very common tactic of the government 
So you kind of like, like I said, during the 70s and 60s that I've been interested in, I've just noticed that there's been ways that to be able to keep things in motion the way that whatever, who's ever controlling whatever can have it keep going in their way. And then I think that's just like that today, except now it's a lot easier than just killing somebody. You just character assassinate. You get a celebrity to come out and speak about something. So then everyone goes and jumps onto that. You have a bunch of different methods now of just distorting the population even more. So when you end up talking about something, anybody can call it a conspiracy. Anybody can call it a truth. You're going to just now split people up into more individual groups, which really sucks because I feel like together we could really get something like the right and left shit. I don't understand. Um, mostly because I, I, like I said, I think it's clear that you can see the deep state and what the deep state is capitalism. It's a bunch of things that have been invested in the institutions that we should be holding high regard, healthcare, uh, you know, government, school, education. That has just gone to shit. We've let like advertisements in schools now. We've the CIA has been on college campuses since like the 70s and nobody's done anything about that, which is ridiculous. But yeah. Yeah, and two, you know, one quick thing is there's this bit I can't I, for the life of me cannot remember which comedian it is, but Bill Hicks. No, nah, George Carlin. Uh, it's more more a more modern one, but their joke, their bit is um they're talking about the conspiracy guys, right? They're like, hey, you know, why is yeah, why are all these guys that decide to call it the CIA? Get, why do they decide to get on private planes and fly across the country or something? You know, it's like, it's like, you should probably fly commercial. <laughs> you know, if you, if you're out there calling out the government, do not get on small planes. Um, you know, it, but for whatever reason, yeah, it's like a lot of those guys that are like whistleblowers and calling out the government and shit end up flying on these small ass planes. And then, like you say, like go fucking missing or like go down. It's like, what the hell? Now you defend Snowden. Is, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll defend Snowden. Okay, I'm I'm just curious because I've talked to I, I get the other side's perspective, like, like exposing the nation's secrets, but I also think that if your nation is doing bad things, then you should want to expose those so we can get back on the right track or what we would deem morally right. Like the fact that like I don't like redactions and documents of names of people that were involved in programs because I go if they know their name's not going to be published, they're going to be more than willing to sign up to the program. So if you had and told them your name's going to be published if it comes out, like. Okay, that would deter people from joining it. That means you know it's bad, so you probably shouldn't be doing it. But the number of redactions I see, I'm like, God damn. Yeah, and you know, you look at you know what Snowden did. You know, he didn't like. So this is this is the line you'll get from the other side. You know, again, it's real flimsy. Like their their reasoning here is so Snowden revealed uh, sensitive things. He gave secrets to our enemies, and what they mean by that is he revealed publicly through the journalists with through whom he released his information you know he didn't just drop this out there uh irresponsibly he went to people that uh you know have the duty to report to you know the public about things of interest um gave them the information um and uh allowed them to do what they wanted with it you hey you want to publish this you can like he didn't tell you know they had no duty to publish it they felt though i think it was their duty to publish it that's why they did but you know snowden you know he, he blew the whistle he believed so much in it and so the other line is well you know why he's in russia you know why they're obviously he's obviously obviously gave them information it's like he just publicly revealed all of these things uh and 
that's how the our enemies know that stuff. It's because everybody knows that stuff. I'm like, well, that's flimsy. It's like if he went to them and gave them like, you know, here's our nation's secrets. You know what I mean? Like that nobody knows. <laughs> and then like sold that to them for like access or protection. Like that's different. And that's not what happened. But that's what they make it seem like he did. And that's not what the case is. What happened was the reason he's in Russia was because John Kerry in the State Department canceled his passport while he was in russia he was going to fly to ecuador a non-extradition country uh so for asylum uh where uh, the u.s couldn't get to him but you know russia obviously stuck there so uh he can't leave uh unfortunately but you know i the reason why i defend snowden is like the guy when you listen to him talk this is clearly not a fucking whack job this guy's clearly smart, he's intelligent, he's well-spoken, he's well-educated, and this is why he scares those guys, is because he's like, he like meets them on their level, you know? Like he outsmarted them, and then on top of that, just constantly has solid justifications for doing what he did. He like, they can't, they can't beat him on the intellectual level, and they can't beat him at that, the chess game. Like he beat them, so it's like, they hate that guy. <laughs> Um, the guy like Julian Assange, on the other hand, the problem, I don't want to say a problem with him, but the difference there is Julian Assange is just a lot easier to, I guess, discredit because he just comes off that way. You know what I mean? He looks like his personality, he's very conspiratorial the way he talks and it's like for good reason, <laughs> but you know, for most people, the way that seems is like, oh, this guy's kind of, he's kind of a whack job. He's probably, you know, but Snowden to me comes off very measured. Like he's not, he's not saying things. I don't, he's not irresponsible with his words. Like if he says something, he means it. And that's why when he says like, you know, the government was collecting our data in mass with no restrictions it's saving them in the bulk data centers, all of our metadata, um, you know, for basically, you know, contractors could then, you know, contractors, not even like government employees, contractors with the NSA could then come in and just do like, searches on people's shit with no restriction it's just like it's unreal like you know the kind of things that they can do but they kind of obfuscate all that and just say like you know and obama's line on it was like well he should have gone through the proper channels it's like you see what's happened to everybody that's gone through the proper channels they like wind up in fucking jail especially if they're on u.s soil if they try and blow the whistle they they'll get locked up they get the book thrown at them like Especially like you're saying, the national security stuff, it's like the judicial branch, and this is part of it too, is a fucking judicial branch, dude, has been asleep at the wheel with their job. Their job is to keep the executive in check. You know what I mean? Their job is to protect us from them. <laughs> you know, is to be like, oh, no, no, no. Why, you, why do you need to look at this person's stuff? National security. Oh, okay. Rubber stamp. You know, just all the government has to say is it's for national security purposes. Fine. And get, the judicial just lets them do what the fuck ever. And so even that's with the FISA stuff. The FISA courts are basically, it seems like they're just, they sign off on like whatever. Uh, you just have to have some flimsy justification. Uh, I don't know, man. Like it all seems like a, the system is very fucked. The um, judicial branch just has guidelines and code of ethics that they have to go by that they're supposed to flag and stamp if it's problems that are going to affect the American people. But the during after Watergate, you can read this from the Church Committee report, which I recommend. I don't know if you ever read that before, but 
should be recommended reading for every single person out there. I mean, exposes the CIA's heart attack gun, which is a live video you can watch on C-SPAN. Um, but the church committee talked about how the CIA found ways to word certain things and be able to get it slipped past Congress and just have it get passed. And technically, they're not violating procedures, but they're going also the judicial branch isn't going above and beyond like a normal person would. They're just kind of looking at something, looking for keywords. And if it doesn't flag, then they just pass it on through. And that's the problem is the CIA found ways that they can word things to still continue their operations. Like, um, do you know what the difference between covert operations and um, it's covert operations, and then it is. Wow, I'm going to blank on it. Guess I don't even know the difference. Damn. All right. Had it. Well, I've said it before in a podcast, but there's a difference between covert operations and uh, not 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 going to remember it. But basically, basically, it's like if one thing, if if information of something comes out, then it that goes from a certain operation to something else, like the Obama scenario with Osama bin Laden. That was supposed to be something that nobody was ever supposed to know about. There was supposed to be no American connection at all to that. But then when Obama announced it, it went from whatever it was to a covert operation or no, not covert operation, went to something else. I'm not even going to use this example. It's a shit one. But it's just the fact that if you publicly state something that, the yeah, we got Osama bin Laden. Now everyone knows America had involvement in it, and it was like obviously something that the people really needed. But if you look at like the way that they word things, legal speak, for instance, Richard Helms is a CIA director, and he wrote a bi biography book. If you read his rough draft, like the rough copies of it that are in the National Archives, he says, as my time as CIA director, I participated in thousands of covert operations so covert operations are like political assassinations they're like a bunch of things that are really really bad like stirring up the population like COINTELPRO was technically a covert operation until it was exposed so in the final copy of his book it's that a couple thousand goes to a couple dozen so that's a big impact on what the hell people are going to be receiving information wise so I mean, like I said, it was every single one a political assassination. Probably not, but there's a lot of stuff that goes to the severity of how many operations that the CIA is involved with, in, and it's that wording issue. Now, everything you have to read government-wise has to be legal speak. So when you read something, like for instance, I use a JFK reference, someone says that there was a Secret Service member on the knoll flashing a badge. That is always commonly talked about. Witnesses saw it, people saw it, and the Secret Service said we did not have a CIA person up on that knoll. Okay, so. I read the CIA documents, and in the CIA documents, he said at any time they could help the Secret Service out by Secret Service members out by providing a member of the CIA to the Secret Service temporarily to make sure they can conduct their duty properly. So when they say that there was not a Secret Service member on that knoll, that's still true, but it could be a CIA person with at the time temporary Secret Service man credentials. That's how you have to look at this, is all legal speak. They're not lying to you. They're just finding a way to work around the a initial blunt response that you might have towards something that they do, which is, like I said, with the covert operation stuff, that's all like, I mean, when that comes out, they, they're trying their best to try and find ways to make sure they can spin it or do whatever they possibly can so it hits less, so the American people don't get shocked at what they do. I think wiretapping now was a big thing that was released in Watergate, but that's like common stuff now. But there's a lot of still things back then that are still shocking, like cancer cell injections. That's fucking real. And they did it to prisoners for the longest time. But you talk about it now and people go, oh, conspiracy. Then as soon as you say prisoners, people go, oh, wait, I can believe that. It's like, what? Because they're prisoners. You don't think they'll do it to anybody else? Like, that's the crazy thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you have numerous examples. You have, you know, all the all of the sketchy stuff. And so that, you know, that's, again, you know, 
more of the reason to just kind of talk about it. You know, obviously, again, like the whole, I feel like this whole conspiracy thing, there's this whole weird, I've noticed in a general, like on the internet, this attitude of, you know, you've heard of the, the, the book, The Death of Expertise, right? You know, everyone talks about this. You haven't heard of this? Okay. So anyway, this is a book that came out. I have not read it personally, but what the book is generally about is how, you know, uh, you know, in, in, I think the book is sort of uh, attempting to explain, and it might have been pre-Trump, I'm not sure, but uh, but it seems like people used it at least to justify their, you know, thinking here on on why Trump, you know, became a thing and how like, you know, people are are uh, questioning experts more or, or not believing what the experts are putting out there anymore. You know, so the, what the elites are saying, you know, if you want to frame it that way, right. So what like elite academics are being saying about whatever, like people are now not buying into that. And so that the book's called the death of expertise. And it's, I guess about, about this phenomenon of how people aren't buying what experts are selling anymore. Um, and so I see this thrown around a bunch on the internet. It's this attitude that like um, people are just so stupid that like they don't they don't want to like go believe what the experts believe. And so like, but there's this weird thing going on here, right? With all of this, because it's like, yeah, I'm there is probably an element of like just an, just blatant anti intellectualism, right? You see, like you know, like Mar, Mar I don't want to be too political, but like you know, like Marjorie Taylor Green or whatever her fucking name is, like is an absolute moron like <laughs> like the, the she's dumb as fuck like it's just the, it's just facts um but is she doing it on purpose right you know it's like is this a fucking you know is this a fucking act to just rile people up you know there's plenty i don't of think people anybody out there. can be that stupid no I just, no 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 i hear her but, talk sometimes and i'm like god damn i'm like is this a fucking joke like i there's no way that anybody really thinks that but like flip side of that, right? You look at this fucking Adam 22 guy. I don't know if you've been following all that shit, but like on Twitter and all this stuff, but like his guy, he's like, it's, there's this whole, they're like him and his, he married this porn star basically. And it's like, they have this whole show where they like have threesomes with like only fans girls. It's like this whole thing. Damn, and so what's the show called write it down. Uh, 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 but he's been on this whole kick of where he's, he like his wife did a scene with like some dude and he's like, he's like, doing this whole thing where he's like, I'm like, I'm a cuck. I'm like proud of being a cuck and like this whole thing. And everyone's fucking jumping on. Right. But it, it's all for publicity, right? It's this publicity thing. And now, now we're talking about it right now. Everyone's talking about fucking Adam 22 because he's being such a fucking weirdo, but it's just like a publicity stunt. You know what I mean? And people, you know, who knows how much fucking money they're making off this shit because that's all you need is you just need your fucking name out there. People just out of just sheer curiosity are probably going to click on your links or probably start. So anyway, uh, point being, it's like you look at that. You, Mar I'm just saying like Marjorie Taylor Greene, like a fucking any of these popular annoying personalities are just the political equivalent of that. You know, they're just kind of being like intentionally being weirdos to get attention. And then now we're all listening to these fucking morons. But anyway, um, look, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't mean to be like pompous because there is an element of like there is elitism out there where it's like people are arrogant and snooty about people's valid concerns about their like life. It's average people's valid concerns, especially, you know, um, Whereas like you have the politicians that live lives that are nothing like what 
regular people live. So they have no perspective on it. And it's very obvious when they talk. And so that's, that is true. And I, and I'll defend that point all day. So it's like, I don't, again, I don't mean to sound pompous when I just call people fucking idiots, but like, cause there are idiots out there, but that's what the, the fucking pompous people then use to try and discredit anybody questioning them. You know what yeah, I mean? You probably land more where I land, where um, I've talked to some of the skeptics who are the people that debunk things and take out conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And what I would call a healthy choice of skepticism, once they start like actually getting to talk to me, I think Michael Shermer's like the biggest one. Um, he wrote a book. I had him on my show, but he wrote a book and we talked about the Kenny assassination before I was even interested into it. I invited him back on to debate about it because there's some things he's not including into what he's saying. So he talks about like I talked about the Secret Service members destroying prior death threats to kennedy so when you talk about other assassination attempts on kennedy that's technically a conspiracy because we don't have any documentation on the other death threats even though we have testimony from people and all this type of stuff you need the actual physical like document copy people want for some reason so he brings up like oh well the president gets multiple death threats a day so they just probably didn't take that one at face value and you know it's just a side off that makes a lot of sense when he says it like that 100 percent, i agree until i talked to federal judge Thunheim, who's in charge of the assassination records review board and he goes when i requested to the secret service to get documents on the prior death threats of kennedy two weeks later they destroyed it he doesn't include that in his book he doesn't include that in anything that he states he just does the little clip part like everyone's telling you everything that fits their narrative like a lawyer does in court you know if you're defending a client you're not going to look at the stuff that's going to incriminate you you're only going to look at the stuff that's going to be able to defend them so i remember what i was talking about with the clandestine operations and covert operations the difference between those two clandestine means that it's going to come out later and you're going to they're going to know it's going to be you covert means no you're not going to be attached to it at all and that's when the switch happened when he announced that they killed Osama bin Laden and went from a covert operation to a clandestine operation because now it's a point. I had to get back to that. Thank God. I remember <laughs> it's just that yeah. But it's, it's when you start looking at like history, for instance, the reason why I got interested in the 60s and 70s is because I'm coming across so many documentation that just kind of relates a lot today. Mockingbird, for instance, was a government program that was getting all your media assets in line. They had reporters in Times Magazine, some of the biggest newspapers out there there now look what the stuff is today when rfk jr announced his presidency or that he was running to be a president how many articles came out talking about anti-vax presidential candidate rfk jr all this type of stuff now that's his viewpoints that i some of them i don't agree with and i'm not going to vote for the guy but there's a lot of things where i saw media just outright attacking him it was like when i saw the article that was trending it said gislaine maxwell on suicide watch and I was like, that's how you know you're fucking dead in like a month. But she's still here. But when I saw that, and then she made a statement about it too. She's like, I'm not suicidal. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, this is getting crazy. But you get to see everything from a past tense. And I realized why history is so important. And being able to look through the government documents myself, when you bring up like we talk about with like the skeptics, the people that debunk people, and then the conspiracy people, it has now became so distorted that people like Mayor Taylor Green, whatever her name is, and others now find that they can get really quick attention and get a lot of views and they can boost their popularity by going as extreme like Alex Jones as possible. And that becomes a really big problem because there are real conspiracies out there. But now we've entered the land of make believe where even if you talk about real issues, nobody's going to listen because they can just go, ah, that sounds crazy. And then they just tune it out. You can't do that for the rest of your life or you're going to have a really serious security problem when it comes into your rights as an individual American. So do you think 
some of the more like extreme and like more outlandish sort of conspiracy theories, those sort of personalities, you know, when you think of the stereotypical conspiracy, you know, wacky conspiracy theories, do you think, and I obviously don't mean all, but like, do you think some of these more popular ones, maybe of earlier generations were like plants or people kind of put out there to discredit people asking legitimate questions because it kind of feels like, it kind of feels like that's what it is. You know, it feels like the, the more wacky, insane stuff is just fabricated to like, and people, there are legitimate questions at some of this stuff. It feels like it is being like the, the crazier stuff is just absolute fabrications that are like dreamt up by people in a boardroom somewhere, you know, and be like, all right, well, this is what we're going to go with. This is what we're going to kind of put out there. And like, I don't know, man. It just because it feels like anytime you start to question stuff or start to go down any hole, it's like, well, dude, I don't think the government's being totally honest about this. There's always going to be people out there who'd be like, well, you know, what are you going to do? It's just like, but what do you, if that with nothing we can do if with that attitude, you know, it's like, so, but I feel like I think a lot of people just get overwhelmed by so much of this craziness and wacky conspiracies that they just kind of, yeah, like you're saying, sort of start to tune it out. No, I get it. With the Kennedy assassination, there's a couple of that. Like Jack Ruby didn't kill Oswald, um, even though there's footage of him doing it. There's a couple of people that fight that fight. And that one, you really have to kind of like, I'm really good at stepping back from like my thoughts and just kind of entering what this person's seeing. I mean, the way he lines up photographs and shows like you never truly see Jack Ruby's face. Okay, I can see where you're going. But if you don't, if you refuse to look at everything afterwards, then that's a really big problem. So let's just stick with the conclusion that obviously he was shot and killed that day and he's not living in like people still think Tupac's alive. I mean, some of that stuff, I start thinking that is like government going in there and really trying to flood the waters a little bit so people don't look into the topic. I mean, they're really good. I mean, when they go and they try and find these like you look at a government operation like manipulating the public they go to someone who's good at doing that, like a psychologist or someone who knows how to mess with this. I mean, they're advertising. They go to like mass media advertisers and try and figure out ways that they can hurry up and blast the message out there. They've done studies on it and the research on it to make sure that their methods are very, very effective. And they just well-tuned it and well-tuned it and well-tuned it. And that, I mean, I like I said, I, I mean, I would agree that um, there would definitely be some government disinformation out there on purpose um, not only because they they could say like, oh, to protect us from enemies, but I think it's also to keep the public, you know, either tuning out or trying to go all sorts of ways chasing their own tail. I mean, I think some people are really smart and rise above that, but it doesn't make it any easier to conversate about it. Oh, no, no, for sure. It, like, it really is kind of that muddying of the waters, you know, it, obfuscation, you know, like that's really what it is. It's just to confuse you know, that's and that's really, you know, if you look at what the CIA and their sort of modus operandi has been, you know, in a lot of their operations, especially the ones in uh, Latin America in the, you know, 50s, 60s, um, in, you know, it's a lot of it is just confusion. They're they're sowing discord and sowing chaos. You know, they do want a specific result at the end, like, you know, they want a leader elected or a, lead, a certain leader not elected, you know, but they're basically trying to like cause as much uh, to, to make it as unclear as possible to the people that are going to be voting. You know what I mean? Like it's, it seems like a lot of their operations involved just, yeah. Sowing discord and chaos. So it's, it's like just strategic shit. 
That's strategic. You look at what's going on here with politics. It's like it's a lot of discord and chaos. You're like, you know, it, to me, I feel like these tactics have definitely been deployed on, on the American public. Like we we totally glossed over this, but you are podcast host for historical talks about like you and your friends talk about historical subjects. Yeah, um, you know, shoot the shit, really. But like, you know, sometimes we'll use the history topic to sort of drive the conversation. You know, is there any historical subjects that you've gotten interested in that you, I would say, believe a hundred percent is probably different than what you're being told? Don't you say JFK? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, that's obviously would be an easy one. Um, I definitely think there, like, with nine eleven, it's a uh, not and this is again not like I'm not a crazy 9/11 conspiracy theorist, but what I do think is you know there's a lot of things surrounding all of that, um like you talk about you know there's government documents that we have that show us some pretty interesting stuff. I had the guy who did the visas for the Al Qaeda members that he rejected coming over here and the CIA pushed it through. So Michael Springman, yeah, he's a when he was on here saying he saw the, the hijackers, he denied their visas and the CIA had pushed those through. So can I explain that? No. And can I explain Ray McGinnis, who interviewed all the family members, wondering why everyone's asking questions of why the scrap metal was trying to be sold a week later, um, being swept up and pushed away and an investigation was being hindered and the fact that there's still documents that are being sealed. Did I like that? That's what I'm saying. It's like there's where the conspiracies start is because there's lying. And it's because you're not getting the full picture. It doesn't need to be like obviously the really conspiratorial stuff is that there's holograms of the towers and that's what yeah, it, that's yeah, not exactly. it. You know, it's like okay, yeah, it's like you're just, getting crazy yeah. there with some of that stuff. But there's questions, you know, and that's my point. It's like, I'm am I saying I know what happened? No, and the, anybody that's saying they know what fucking happened is fucking bullshitting you. That's why I hate the loose change thing is because they're acting so kind of certain that like okay, yeah, like you know, all these things are lining up to like make this narrative, and it's like all right. You're seeing what you want to see. What there is valid questions, though, about like you're saying, like those visas, right, being pushed through um, the family members of certain Saudi, uh, you know, because they knew, you know, the Saudis were involved. There's, I believe, days before 9-11, there's like members of like uh, the Saudi uh, uh, diplomats leaving the U.S., like, you know, being like flown out, like. I don't know. There's all sorts of this odd stuff lining up. And then you look at the document that we did get, the public did see about a month before it happened, where bin Laden's on their radar and he intends to, they like basically know that bin Laden intends to attack the US. They, they knew it was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, and they always downplay this. It's like, well, they didn't know specifically it was going to be on what day. Like, they didn't have, I'm like, you're fucking telling me. The U.S. government, the most powerful fucking government in the goddamn world with assets across. Like, you're telling me <laughs> they had no idea what bin Laden was up to. They had no idea of his plan. I'm like, that fucking bullshit. You know it. You know, and like, that's my whole thing about it. It's like, um, if, if, I had to, if I had to guess, you know, what happened with 9-11 is not that they planted bombs in the towers or any of this, that shit. It's that they knew what bin Laden was up to possibly had trained or funded, you know, people around him, you know, provided him ass, uh, uh, resources possibly may not go that far with it, but even still, even if he, they didn't do that, they just let it happen. They knew it was coming and they were like, 
this will give us good justification to do all of this foreign policy bullshit we want to do because they had this in mind. Like they had this going to the Middle East, you know, they, all of this, like bringing democracy like this. They had all this shit in mind for what they wanted to do to reshape the Middle East. And this is like a perfect justification. Oh, this will give us the best opportunity. All the people, everyone will be behind it. So if I had to guess, that's what, it, that's what happened. They knew it was coming and they just, they just let it happen. Um, I, I would agree a hundred percent with that. I mean, I think the best example that I could point you to would be the Charles Manson murders. I mean, I talked to Brad Schweiber who inter interviewed all the San Francisco police and they were like, they could have got Manson on anything, prostitution charges, drug charges. They could have arrested him at any time at his farm, but they were told to stand down on higher authority. Well, who was the higher authority that told him to stand down? And from what I think the newest probably information that I do agree with is Manson is significantly tied with the hippie movement. Um, and I think it's a great way to take down the whole hippie movement if you have Charles Manson as being your idol. And I thought that was a great way for the government to be like, if we can, I mean, they call it the Manson murders, yet he wasn't even there when it happened. So it's like a great way of already programming it into the history books. And I didn't notice this until I was talking to someone about it. And they go, like, yeah, didn't he kill all those people? And I was, she was like 17 years old. I was like, it's called the Manson murders, but he was actually never there. She's like, wait, why do they call it the Manson murders? And I go, yeah, it's a good fucking strategy to get history to remember and everyone that's going to be not around at the time growing up to see it. So like there's, like I said, it's the conspiracy line. It's like, when does it go a little bit too much to the extreme, but you can still find a lot of weight to the other things like real rational, real skepticism of like, if there's a bunch of stuff that you haven't released about nine 11, because it's somehow secrecy. And it's attached to the 9-11 stuff. Did that lead to the official thing of the actual event? So I don't think you have the right to be able to keep those secret anymore. That doesn't make sense to me. Like I just there's a, there's a lot of things that get called. You can't look into this file of Oswald because it's secrecy. I'm like, hold on a second. What did you could this all led up to the giant event that took place? If so, then that document shouldn't be attached to her. You should be like, we don't have any other documents to show you. But you're telling me you're keeping things secret because it might be national security reasons for anything. You could go back to the 9-11 example. Then you don't get to keep those secret because that's why we have conspiracies. That's why people are fighting to get those documents still released. Like it's a it's a really big issue, but like I don't know. There's so many giant topics out there that I feel like we could talk about for hours upon hours upon hours, but what does it do? Like, that's the thing to me. Like, it pisses me off so much because you really like even when you file a Freedom of Information Act request, I have a file on me. Um, I don't I got to pay a certain amount of money and guess every single details. And then you spend years upon years upon years waiting, hopefully that they respond to you to give you your document or whatever, but they don't have to give it to you. They're just it's the illusion of democracy is what I believe in. I mean, I don't think we actually stand in one. I think we believe in a deep state. I do at least. But the illusion of democracy, an illusion of freedom, you're only free until you step on the spider web. And then once you step on the spider web, you'll see how short your freedom actually is. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, to that sort of what you're saying there is, you know, people in like the back to that point about elitism, too, like so they want to use you know, just national security and reasons to justify the secrecy, right? Well, we need to keep the secret. You know, wait, why like can't your you... damn mom's cooking recipe? You got to keep it secret. And so into their, their justification is like, well, you know, a lot of the times they'll say stuff like, you know, this is innocuous information, but, you know, if we put it out there, people are going to misinterpret this. They're not going to understand. They're just too stupid to understand 
what this information means. So we have to kind of keep it as because we don't want people to, you know, come up. And it's like, okay, um, you know, there's something wrong. So you can't have this both ways, right? So you can't because right there, right there, you're just kind of just doing. There's no transparency. You're basically saying it's just like, well, we can't be transparent because people are too stupid. It's like, well, then who's smart enough? Who's deciding who's smart enough to look at the information? You know what I mean? It's just like, if you're just going to gatekeep access, like based on, you know, what you, because smart could just mean people who believe what we believe, you know, like, so there's this whole reasoning behind this stuff. I find that that's not a justification for a lack of transparency. Um, because again, it's, it comes back to the elitism, you know, if you're going to be elitist and be arrogant and be like, people are too stupid to understand this, people aren't going to fucking trust you. All right. You get, you can't, I know. And it makes it so much harder when they go trust us. And then you're like, I don't fucking trust you for, to save my life. Yeah. It's like, how can you ask me to trust you when you act, when you refuse to even show me? You know, the information that you have, because you think I'm too stupid to understand it. You know, there's not, there's, there's a lack of trust on your part. So it's like, it's a trust is a two way street here. And they want, they want to have it one way. They want the public to trust them implicitly. Uh, but, uh, you know, they don't trust us at all with any information <laughs> because if we have it, we might misinterpret it. We might come up with a conspiracy theory. We might, you know, uncover some corruption, you know, within those documents that show that, you know, them and their friends have been running fucking scams for years that have been fucking over average people. And, you know, they, I truly believe that's what a lot of this is going on here, you know, and why they keep this stuff. Do you believe any of the secrecy is actually worth it being secret because it is protecting us? You know, don't get me wrong. There's probably, you know, a few things that, you know, like certain operations maybe that are going on, you know, that, uh, you know, rescue operations, whatever thing, negotiations with like, uh, I don't know. Well, you'll fall into like a, a Oliver Stone pit hole where he ends up defending, you know, Putin and all this type of stuff. And I'm not going to talk about the Ukraine issue, but I go, everyone's fucking nuts. I don't trust a single person to be 100% honest with you. I think everyone, the government, every single person's government has a gun to the back of everybody's head. And this is Dude, like I an instance. Yeah. Don't, yeah, I would not like that's the whole thing. It's just like, like I'm saying, trust is a two way street. It's like, if you want me to trust you, you have to show some trust in the public to, uh, you know, uh, to, to, hold, one, look at the information you put out there. And then two, uh, you know, treat that information properly. Right. You know, people are going to say all sorts of shit. You know, people can come up with all sorts of theories, but you know, if the evidence is there, if you, you release documents that show somebody did something corrupt, you know, that shows like Hunter Biden was doing, you know, banging lines of coke in the White House, like, you know, <laughs> which I, I don't necessarily have a problem. There's been coke in there since the Eisenhower administration. Let's be honest. This is the thing. It's like I, this is one thing I, I fucking hate about all this stuff. It's like everyone acts all like, you know, outraged about, oh, like, you know. Uh, you know, there's like, there's coke in the White House. It's like, dude, there's been like fucking dictators. There's mass murders in the fucking White House. Johnson <laughs> so like, used to bang there's sec been, secretaries on a couch. There's been, That's the yeah. only reason there's a buzzard for the Secret Service to be alerted or to alert the president is because Johnson was got caught cheating on his wife in the White House. And his wife even made a statement about it. She said, I forgot what she said, she said, oh, he just loves everybody. 
And <laughs> oh, you know. they, they used to call him bull balls because he used to show his dick to everybody. Um, and he apparently had like these giant, you know, that's what I found interesting was uh, tearing apart the illusion of the presidency, not just from like a deep state level, but also the professional attitude that somehow we've needed as a society for the longest time. And then only the past, uh, it seems like two terms now, we've just slowly started dipping into like the opposite with like idiocracy, which is becoming more of a reality and reality. I'm like, look, I don't care so much for the professionalism, but I also don't care for the reality superstar version either. Like I would just like a balanced, healthy middle where the guy's like, yeah, I don't fucking know. Is to be honest with you, I don't know what I'm going to do about this problem, but we're going to figure it out. Thanks. That's all I needed. Just say you don't know. I'd rather you say that than give me a bullshit lie where I call you out later. Yeah, man. No, and like that's this. There's there's certain elements to it, like because I do think. Don't get me wrong. Like you need you need gov- honesty in government. Um, the, there is also the element of you know like the Machiavellian element to it too, where it's like. You know, somebody in power, and don't get me wrong, there's, you know, you got to think, the forces they're contending with, you know, <laughs> but like the forces that somebody in power, you know, president, you know, even like a congressman are contending with are, you know, they've got lobbyists, they've got, you know, all these special interest groups, they've got any number of uh, people in their ear, you know, they have all these ropes tugging at them right you know it's like for their attention their time uh, uh their favor their their disapproval of this policy or that and you got to balance all that you know and i there is you know and so just being like well we just need somebody who's honest yeah i mean i do agree with that to an extent but then there's also like we also need somebody that's able to balance those things too you know what i mean that that can because so many, it seems like to me, a lot of the politicians just are fucking sellouts. You know what I mean? They just, any of that stuff, they just like sign off on it. They're just like, yeah, cool, whatever. You know, we're just signing away the future, you know, spend all the fucking money. It's just like, I, I, I don't know, like somebody that, that has the ability because again, it's almost like if you're going to fix it, you can't, I don't know. You can't just be straightforward about it. Can I ask what your thoughts are on Richard Nixon? A uh, tricky dick. Yeah, because <laughs> that probably changed my perspective on Nixon. Um, um, I mean, Nixon was a, it was an incredibly talented politician. Like this guy, I mean, I don't think he should have been president. But I just I I when whenever you hear about like the seventies, everyone goes, oh yeah, Nixon. And it's like, he wasn't the only motherfucker that was doing bad stuff. Can we talk about that? But the fact that history books only talk about Richard Nixon being like the biggest mess up was Watergate. I'm like, bro, there was a lot that was exposed in Watergate and Nixon was just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, dude. Uh, Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like Nixon's like, you know, yeah, obviously I don't, I think he gets probably shit on. It's, I think it's kind of, he's like maybe overhated. I heard that term recently. Overhated, like overrated, but the opposite, I guess, like overhated. Is that going to balance out all the cancel culture shit? Because now you can't say the word seagrass. You can't say the word what? Seagrass. Why? It's offensive because of the 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 relation to grass and weed having a bad historical thing. I don't know. It was an article that came out on the Wall Street Journal and all that, and there was another one saying you can't say the word. Um. Oh, you can't. 
I think shark attacks was one. You couldn't say shark attacks. They're called dangerous encounters now, which is just like, what happens if you lose your fucking arm? I'm going to call that a shark attack. But they're just words you can't say. You can't say field anymore either because it brings up traumatic history of slavery. Um, so uh, environmentalists are now saying you can't say field. You got to say something else, which I'm just like, I feel like there's bigger fights. Um, you know, there's people out there that are shitting in a bucket and eating you know, off the floor because they're homeless. Yeah, I mean, just the homeless encampments and, you know, the quality of life. Yeah, I feel like Or NASA's yeah. budget, you know, why is it $760 million and close to a billion in just the past six months of 2023? So that's that's a little bit nuts, but we don't have to talk about that, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, the spending's out of absolute, out of, it's always been out of control. We talk about that like every time I think we, we do a podcast is just, uh, Congress just addicted to spending, um, you know, and they just can't stop. And again, it comes down to like, we, we talk about it, man. It's just like, well, we got to change. Why, why do we have to spend money on this, that, and the other? It's like, they tell us, well, you know, it's for the, you know, this is helping do this and that. And, but you know, there's, I feel like a lot of politicians just don't ever prove their policies are actually working, you know? Yeah, they just kind of put shit out there based on sort of again, you can run any number of studies to get the result that you fucking want. That's what they did with tobacco for years. You know, yeah. they ran they ran tobacco studies that showed, oh yeah, it was totally cool. Like it doesn't cause cancer at all. Like it the tobacco industry ran the studies. <laughs> and it's true. like and then they use that like to justify not, you know, taking the uh, you know, action on, you know, obviously like making them I guess Well, there's two big historical ones. It's it's tobacco and then the sugar industry. Uh, the sugar industry had told everybody that if you eat fat, fat's bad for you. And it was just $50,000 to literally mess up everybody's knowledge on health. So where at this point, there's over a hundred something thousand that fad diets you could do. There's all this and it's all bullshit. It's like no wonder people are so goddamn confused. They're trying to get healthy and you're telling them they don't have to eat anything. They have to fast for seven days and do this. It's like, shouldn't people just be experimenting with themselves of like, maybe I should just do this and walk more or something like that. But Everything. I mean, there's a literally an industry called the happiness industry, which is just ways that they can find and prey off the people that are looking for happiness and motivation. I swear to God, if I see another motivation thing on Instagram, I'll throw the fuck up. I can't handle it anymore. Everyone's like, I'm going to do harder and work smarter. I'm like, who gives a fuck? I'm sorry, but that guy who's like getting Instagram popular because he's just putting up memes of shit of like, hey, motivation, smile today. I'm like, fuck, what the hell is that? I don't even I maybe someone needs it out there, but there's just just people that are trying to profit off of other people's pain and suffering. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, it's it's, you know, if you got you got some of those personalities out there, you see them like they're definitely like they're selling people on like sort of an idea right or like a lifestyle or you know you see there's that one I, I saw a few of this one dude i can't fucking remember his name but i've seen people dragging him and making fun of him too uh but it's like a sales guy and he's just like real intense and he's just like screaming at people he's just like he's just like oh you gotta get up work hard what were you doing today oh you david goggins day? David and Goggins? Uh, uh, I don't think it's Goggins. There's another guy. It's almost like he's Jack and Goggins style. But like I, Goggins is a similar thing there going on too. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, just like, and don't get me wrong. Like if people, you know, if it motivates you, it motivates you. You know, it's like I'm not telling you not to listen to listen to people. But sometimes I feel like those dudes are selling a, they're selling a, like a personality. That's their brand. They got a brand. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate's not really an asshole. He's a nice guy. If you see him in videos off air where he's like 
donate his his friend was sleeping on the floor he's like why sleeping on the floor is a bed right fucking here yeah like, you know he's just a really nice guy but when you see him on interviews and videos and stuff he got to popularity from using that like shit manly style masculinity toxic masculinity aspect yeah and so in but again like that's kind of that again we're talking about this sort of marketing you know back, like adam 22 god we got to find a good sales pitch man we're smart we could think of something like that yeah but see i feel like there to me my problem with with all of that is like there's to me it's like there's an element of like you're like kind of to me it's almost like you're selling your soul you know to uh but you prefer being authentic. Like, I think, like, how, yeah, right. That's what I'm how saying. I it's try just like, and do it. yeah, exactly. Authentic. To me, it's like, if you can, my best. if you can, if you can build your brand around being authentic, I think that's worth way more because to me, it's cheap. That's why people like, yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene or like Adam 22 or any of these fucking personalities that just use the most insane things to get attention. They're just attention whores. You know what I mean? It's just what they are. Um, well, it's you how know, you survive. Being a fucking world, attention man. whore is not like, that's nothing survive. to be. Yeah, right. And, but there's nothing to be, there's nothing admirable about, or a bit about that. You know, back in the day, you know, especially when it comes to music and shit, you know, and it, it's always sounds kind of like gatekeeping and stuff, but it's just like, you know, if you weren't doing something interesting with music, you know, people were generally just not going to like kind of gravitate towards you. Um, and so that's why like the best bands like kind of have that unique voice and unique sound. Sometimes you hear other band sounds or other, th what they're doing, they're blending other people's stuff, but like, they're putting it through their own lens. You know what I mean? And, and so, uh, I mean, you could it, do it that way, or you could do it like how the four chord song, which lays out every song, the popular hits that all have like the same four fucking chords. I mean, I listen to things now and I'm like, that's this song. And they're like, no, it's not. It's actually this song. And I'm like, holy shit. Like I, I, I got confused because the beginning, it was Ice Ice Baby and then something else because they sampled it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Under pressure. Yeah. Uh, the Queen and dun, dun, Ice Ice. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. There's, and, but, you know, there's all sorts of songs out there that, uh, you know, in bands that are that do interesting stuff, um, but then there's also plenty of derivative, and more so than the good ones, uh, derivative sort of uninteresting bands. Uh, and but don't get me wrong, like you know, if you're engaging in creative stuff and it's making you happy, like I'm not, I'm not gonna knock you for that. But like when it when it comes to assessing, you know, art and you know where things stack up, you know, I I don't think it, I don't think it's unfair to uh to have judgments about it right you know what i mean i think the same applies to these personalities that you see on the fucking internet and you know the brands that people are putting out there for themselves it's like if you are authentic you know and that's why i, I like the guys like you know like like shane gillis or uh like the guys on dad meet like mike rainey and tim butterly um those guys like because, you know, and whether, you know, I'm pretty sure they are being authentic, but and even if they're not, it's like they come off genuine, you know what I mean? And at least that seems like part of their brand is just like unpretentious. We're just being us. And that's, that's fucking cool. Um, and that to me, like, that's how you are the, that's the coolest people. And that's always been the coolest people to me with music is people that are authentic, you know, with their voice, you know, their creative voice, uh, they're genuine and they're true to themselves. Uh, that's that's the best stuff to me, but more, everyone's got their taste, right? You know, more people would like just to hear things that would not upset them, rather than just hearing how someone thinks and feels. 
Like if someone believes conspiracy, like super interested and said Jack Ruby didn't kill Oswald, I'll hear that person out. But if I sense bullshit, like they're trying to do it as a character thing is where you get upset. But if they actually believe that, then tell me, show me what you've seen. But when you ask someone for, I mean, do you like uh, everyone gets mad at two-faced people, but it's like you want them to think like you. You want them to act like you. You don't want a comedian to say a certain joke. It doesn't change how he feels or what his he's thinking. Maybe around you it will, but he's still going to feel the same exact way. And it's like it's that to me, I rather this someone be honest about how they feel about things. Like when I ask someone, like, what's your honest take on this? And they just go, to be honest, this is what I feel. I'm like, that's fine. I'm not going to get mad at you for it. But society now is like, no, we got to change that person. We got to change this. You got to do this. And this is what's going to be popular. You can get a million likes or something like that if you put up something that fits the main narrative or something like that. It'll get boosted all the way to the top. It's not fair, but it's the truth. I mean, that's how it's an easier career path. It's an easier life to live. But if you're sitting around someone and they're just choosing to be silent rather than talking because they know they're going to piss you off because you probably don't agree about things, is that your friend? No, it's an illusion of a friend. And I don't know why we like that as people, because to me, I'm like, tell me if you don't agree with me, disagree. Let's let's talk about it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's, you know, and that, it's again, like that shows that's a level of care. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't believe the Grateful Dead is good. I think they suck. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that, that's 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 fine. I, you know, I'm not like <laughs> uh, I'm not like a deadhead or anything like that. But like, you know, I you know can appreciate what they're doing but like you know i definitely get what you're saying i respect their personalities though because they let everyone record their songs at their concerts which i think is fucking awesome i just their music i'm just kind of like i'm good i'm all right you know they were dickheads about the uh uh, woodstock thing you know i guess people people give them shit for that but at the same time it's like they are musicians you know they're working musicians you know you probably don't want to play before you're paid right you don't want to play the gig and then they like oh well we don't have money um but uh, Santana luckily saved the day on that one. He uh, he started uh, started off the show, and he was on mescaline apparently. And he said at one point he uh, he looked down at his guitar neck, and he was looked like he was playing a snake. And so he just said he closed his eyes again. <laughs> he was like, I guess he had his eyes closed playing because he was tripping so hard. And he looks down, he's playing a snake, and he's like, All right, fuck it, I'm closing my eyes again. <laughs> and, uh, that, but that's, that's where I think the best that's the that's where i think the best creativity comes from when people can truly just do what they want not 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 like do what they want but i I would say if you can trip on mescaline you don't have any fear of i got to perform the show i got to do really really good i got all these people pay tickets you're not thinking about that what you're thinking about is i'm going to have some fun while i go and play some music and hopefully people accept it as much as i'm going to have this epic time to me that's what i want to see i don't want to see people go on stage like this needs to be programmed this way this needs to go in front that's why i don't script structure the show we could have talked about topics way off air and booked a bunch of things we could have talked about ahead of time but i like the free flow i like it when it turns into chaos or it turns into something good you know it's fun that way it makes it more genuine because you're in the moment of things and not a lot of people like to be in the moment oh yeah you know it depends it depends entirely on what you're doing right uh the uh moment you know obviously you know like you're saying sometimes like the spontaneity of things is yeah like you can get some really good stuff out of that but again like sometimes like it's it's like it's it's one of those things where it's like you have sometimes a high volume of stuff but then the quality you know not a lot of quality stuff you know sometimes you kind of run into that territory when you use that format so sometimes like the structure lends you know some uh i don't know what do you say uh uh, more like a high, it can kind of 
quality control. You know what I mean? So it's like if you can structure things and kind of have stuff prepared ahead of time, then sometimes you. But you know, again, neither here nor there. I'm just saying, like, uh, the, I I do enjoy personally the spontaneous kind of just conversation aspect of it. Like, I do. I would. I think we talked about it before. Like, uh, you know, want to do stand up, and I've written some jokes, but like, just haven't taken that dive on that. And, um, and part of that too is, I think is because of the stru- more structured nature of standup. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, there is a whole flow and formula to it and you have to learn that and you have to get good at it. You have to just do the reps at it. And so like, you know, that, that you're going to just have to suck at it for a while. And that's kind of, I think the, the phase that I'm just like, don't, we you know, one even face, you know? So have that's why I was on stage yet. Nah, I've just been doing the podcasting and just, you know, doing music and other things. Uh, keeping myself uh creatively. But you drop your some of your jokes in your podcast, I bet, right? Like just some, uh, sometimes, not- yeah. The bits, like sometimes the bits come from like jokes in the podcast. You know what I mean? Like trains of thought from you know where we go down. So, and if anything, it's like almost like the podcast is just kind of like a way that I can sort of prepare material. Yeah. That hopefully someday I'll have the fucking guts to actually go. Can I hear a joke? Do you have one? Uh, I could probably find one. Uh, I hate to be that guy that's like, hey, could you tell me a joke, Mister Funny Man? But uh, there's a uh, – let me pull up my uh, – what is it called? Google Docs. Uh, dude, uh, do you know a comedian called Jeff Dye? I've heard of the name Jeff Dye before. Isn't he like – um? he was on Ryan Sickler's podcast a while back. He was also uh, – he's like on MTV, I think. Uh, he did a show with – um. what do you call it? All those famous celebrities. Uh. <laughs> All the famous celebrities. Um, I know that's a bad example, but he uh did a show with um God, the guy who was the NFL dude who's always on TV, the Terry Bradshaw. Oh, okay. Um well so anyway, I followed Jeff Dye last night after like, you know, I, I've seen Jeff Dye's stuff material before and uh I don't like this is really weird. I'm just bringing this up because this is like fucking odd. And like, I, I don't even know what's going on here. Um, it's probably, I don't know if Instagram's bugging out, but I uh, woke up this morning and it said Jeff Dye followed me. And I was like, what? Um, and like, I looked it up and yeah, Jeff Dye was following me. Um, and Holy I shit. went to his page and he's following one person. And it's me. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, this can't be right. Like, I'm still convinced that it's like a, a bug in Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm going back to it now. Um, here, let me, I'll like put it up. Like, look, Jeff Die following one person, me. That's I don't crazy. know. I don't know what's going on. I, I swear I, this has to be Instagram bugging out, right? Because Jeff Die, I mean, He's a reasonably popular, you know, yeah. working comedian. Um, been around a, a while. Um, I don't know why he would follow me. So to me, I think that has to be a glitch or something's going on there, or it was an accident. But like, why the fuck? I can't remember if this is the comedian he's got that two hundred thousand followers. I know why is he's following one guy? I know, <laughs> but I th- if it's just the comedian that I think it is. I'm pretty sure he's mentioned why he does that on a podcast with Ryan Sickler, where he'll just follow a random person. So you got lucky and got to be that random person. So I would just accept it. Yeah. Wow. Maybe I should go 
so what, who, what's the podcast? Who is he out with? It's Ryan. Look up Ryan Sickler and look up Jeff Ryan Guy. Sickler. See if okay. you find anything. All right. I will, yeah, that's what I was saying. I was trying to find the clip you're talking about, maybe, and like, I don't know, dude. That's I'll fucking look weird. Him up real quick. I got to check his name out. That's fucking weird, man. Like, I, I, know just... what, I know what the guy looks like, so I could tell you if it if it is Jeff Die or not. Let's type in Jeff Die. Yeah, this is the guy. Yeah, this yeah. is him. That's that's wild. This dude. is a hundred percent him. Yeah, he's in the show with Terry Bradshaw. He was um he wasn't. I think he didn't pay attention in school. He has jokes about that. Um, yeah, no, he's got I'm... his. I love his material. Like anything I've seen, he was on. He did an episode of History of Hyenas back in the day when Chris Chris Stefano and Giannis Papas were still doing yeah. that podcast. And I remember hearing him on that, and like the, he crushed it. You know, it's fucking hilarious. And I was like, man, like who is this guy? And and yeah, like send him a message. Up, I, I might fucking have to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> send because, a message. Like, yeah, dude, that's fucking wild, man. Um, it kind of is like, yeah, it kind of blew my mind when I saw that. So, uh, pretty cool. No, yeah, man. Uh, is that your joke? I have to. <laughs> oh, say you want me? To... All right. Let me... <laughs> I was like, is that the joke? Holy shit! It just seems like a fucking great experience. No, yeah, that wasn't the joke. No, that was just a. That's pretty a, cool. Uh... Yeah, like just a wild experience, bro. Like, just I don't know. You know, it might not mean that much to some people. Like, oh, some rant, no, some it's, comedian it's cool. follows you. Cool. I think it's fucking cool. I think I'm friends cool. with Ryan Sickler on Facebook. Oh hell yeah! Like on uh on Twitter, Mike Rainey, the uh, guy, one of the guys from Dad Meat, follows me. You should check my LinkedIn. My LinkedIn's insane. It's like connections, Oliver Stone, connections, Peter McCullough, connections. I'm like, everyone's like, what the fuck is this kid doing in his free time? Dude, no, you got you you. You pull some big names, man. Like you, and you got the, uh, you got some of those big. Uh, I could tell you some things off air about some of them big names. You, you, you show some of the stuff on your, uh, your, Insta your Instagram too. When people are sending you like requests, all sorts of big names send you requests for shit, and you're just like, oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> that's so fucking funny, dude. <laughs> just like that's great. Um, you're talking about the Fox News thing they wanted to do, and I was like, nope, I'm good. Hard pass. You're getting ready for your joke. I'm sorry. I'm looking. I'm just looking uh, because, you know, there's so many fucking dumbass things I've written here that I, I don't even. Uh, I don't have jokes. I just have stories I tell. So. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I'm just trying to find a good one. This is your test run. Come on. I'm a live yeah, audience. I gotta, gotta, yeah. Gotta bring the heat. <laughs> um, see, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I, I would want to pick like the, so here's just a one sentence one I wrote. It's just like, what if the next Hitler is in this room right now? <laughs> um, you know, one liner there. Uh, They're filler. Those would be filler spots between jokes. Yeah, right. Exactly. So this one, it says some people, some religious people are afraid they're going to make religion illegal. I don't know about that, but if it happened, I imagine pastors would be hiding in alleys like, hey, kid, you want to come snort some God? <laughs> come do a line of Jesus. It's like forgiveness is 40 for an eight ball. <laughs> <laughs> you got some good stuff there. Yeah. You know, it's like some, some. At least the beginnings of something, you know. I definitely got to workshop it in front of a, a crowd, but like, you know, I don't think it's that bad. You should do it. I mean, we've been talking about it for a while. I think since your first time on that, you wanted to do stand up. You interview people as well too, comedians as well, don't you? 
Um, I will. So I've uh, been fortunate enough to have some uh, some people come guest on my uh, podcast. Uh, but I, I, I think uh, one of well, Big Nick, he was uh, he's done some stand up, and then uh, Vito, uh, just Waldy, he's also done stand up as well. So yeah, a couple of those guys, um, you know, and I think they've done. Uh, they're kind of more. Uh, they're not like, you know, like working comedians. They do more podcasting and like uh you, yeah. Vito does like the YouTube videos. Um man, Vito Vito's wild. Like he just gets so much uh so much hate. Do you remember like you might have seen all that stuff with him like around the the cuties thing? Remember that that Netflix movie? You don't remember that? The only Vito I know is Don Vito from Bam Margera. Oh yeah. I would love to talk to that guy if he was still alive, but I think he's gone off the face of the globe. So you remember the that movie Netflix movie Cuties? Uh, I never saw it, but I remember the controversy. You remember the controversy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I didn't see it. Like <laughs> nobody. I don't think a lot of people saw that. But um, there was that whole you know controversy around it. And Vito, his like you know he took the controversial stance of basically defending the movie and got a ton of shit for it. I understand where he's coming from. He's basically saying it's a fucking movie, guys. Like you know it's. Why, why don't you care about the people actually, you know, being abused or, you know, like, where's this energy for the actual issues, right? When this is just, this is a fucking movie and everyone's, and again, like it was definitely was like a dog pile. So I, I felt like, you know, maybe, and he also too, like the way he does it, I think he's also kind of bringing some heat upon himself. Um, you know, he does himself no favors. So it's, again, it's kind of like one of those things. It's sort of like, it's a self-perpetuating cycle. Um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, he's, he's an interesting guy. Um, I don't agree with him on everything, but I don't think you necessarily have to, to talk to people. Like, you know, it's like, it'd be friendly with them or like be kind and, and, and interview them. And because like, honestly, he was down the, what he, at the time I interviewed him was kind of, in uh, being known for was uh he the dave Chappelle special came out and there was all the protests at netflix as he went down there with his buddy i think his name's dick masterson and they protest counter protested the protesters saying like hey we we like dave Chappelle, we support dave Chappelle," and a bunch of people like were you know like shouting them down and like it was all big drama you know but again this is kind of sort of that sort of attention getting kind of behavior right um and uh so he i talked i wanted to talk to him about that i'm like what is goes into into that like when you're in a situation like that and you know he says like it's almost like he doesn't even feel like he's like he's almost like you're playing a character you know it's like almost like you're not even being yourself in that moment you know it's like so it's kind of so it's interesting you know to talk to people and find listen to their perspectives on you know why they do things and you know uh yeah uh but you know, it's when it comes to the back to the comedy stuff, you know, it's like, yeah, man, I'm like, I'm just, you know, really what it is, it just comes down to laziness. I'll fucking own that all day. Laziness and, you know, probably some uh, cowardice in there too. You know, it's just like you're getting up in front of people, you're putting yourself out there. It's like, you got to face up to the fact that, you know, you're not going to be as good as you want to be. Um, and this is the way I am with my stuff. You know, I'm a musician. So I'm like a fucking perfectionist when it's a lot of stuff, you know, so it's like, I want it. If so, to me, what's scary about comedy versus music. This is the difference. This is the big difference between the two is with music. I can sit here and I can rehearse all day, every day and get solid and fucking good at a song. You know what I mean? I can fucking nail the song like 
knock it out of the park. And then I, when, so when I get up in front of people, fucking nail it, you know, knock it out of the park. I just got to do what I've been doing. You know what I mean? Comedy is dynamic. Comedy is not like that at all. I can't sit in my room and say the jokes over and over again and get good at that because you need an audience there. You, it, you need the audience to gauge the reaction, gauge how well the joke does gauge. If it's funny, you know, you, that's a required part of this process, you know, literally sucking and, you know, being cringe and like, you know, being all those things is part of this process, man. And it like, and musicians are fucking lucky. Don't you? Probably. Uh, (laughs) I was diagnosed with ADD when I was, uh, when I was growing up. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a hyper-focused thing. It's, I just started learning more about it. I was told never to talk about it because it was something they had and you just can got to get over it like that type of shit, you know, but in the past 10 years, they did a lot of research on it. The hyper-focus thing is when you find something and you get really interested in it, you become extremely good at it because you don't ever give your, you basically obsess over it to where it's completed. I do that with like a painting, for instance, I got really good at painting from my shit paintings to stuff that looked fucking amazing about it. Like, I mean, stuff that people are hanging in their houses right now, like friends of mine, like I'll fucking pay you for that. And I was like, sure, go ahead. And usually they always say like, that's a piece of shit. And they'll just like toss it off. So it's interesting to see the thing of that, but with comedy, I mean, that's a good one. I mean, that's an interest of yours and you want to hyper-focus into that. You just got to find the way to get up on stage. I mean, I'm interested in music right now is my new hyper-focus. Yeah, dude. And so like musicians are fucking spoiled because we get to just sit in our rooms and practice all day and get good at it versus comedians. I'll tell you, man, comedians have it. That is a tough gig because you need the audience. You need to basically go out and embarrass yourself and deal with that embarrassment and get good at it and learn how to navigate, you know, the social uh, dynamic of the routine and that's such a huge part of it and yeah so like again like i have like you know you see here i have my practice pad like i can just sit here and just work on my you know on uh on a song get good at the song take it to the kit uh you know and play it there and then take it to a stage play it there you know it's all replication you know of and muscle memory and largely when you get good at comedy as far as i understand it according to the comedians I listen to it's largely the same thing you know it almost becomes just like a muscle it's like you know you, you there's the push and pull of the audience you know you're you're playing with the line uh the edge and uh you know it, it's this whole it's a whole process uh but you know again musicians are fucking spoiled we get it easy because we get to just sit in our room away from everybody we get to suck out of out of the view of others. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people do suck in, in the view of others, but um, if you are doing it right, you know, you'll, you'll hammer out the kinks, you know, you get everything nice and smooth, uh, you know, before you take your, you take your product out in front of people. And so um, that's one thing I learned, I've learned to do now over years of just, I used to, was a big problem with me early on when I was on my own was I would just, get a great idea you know start working on something really be liking it and i just wanted to show it to people you know what i mean i just want people to hear it but it's not done you know what i mean the idea wasn't finished you know and and so when you do that though and then you do eventually finish the idea like people have heard it already you know and so it's like it doesn't to me doesn't have the same impact um you know you really want to finish things and don't get me wrong like i'll throw stuff to people i know like in the process and like have people listen to stuff give their opinions on it but uh 
the wide release of things, you know, I, do, I don't do that anymore unless I'm like, I'm, this is ready to go. Like, this is done. Like, I, you know, uh, this is finished because, yeah, there's a big problem with like putting out unfinished stuff. That was just an issue for me early on in my uh, doing music. Um, so that's what I would tell you probably my advice if you are getting into music. Yeah, is, I put out some stuff that I'm, I'm just excited for people to hear, but I also take it down like a minute later. It just sucks because it's like, fuck, I want so like I need constructive criticism. I need someone to tell me like, hey, you should change this. You should change that. And like the song I'm working on now, it's all I've been thinking about and just finishing that one because I want to put it up there. But it's it's also like I try too hard to sound like the people that I wanted to sound like. Instead, I just got to kind of you in my own style. And it sounds a hell of a lot better when I can do it that way. But yeah, it's the, like I said, I think it's that ADHD thing, which is just like you compulse, but also you need people to check it. Like for me as a create, content creator, I fucking hate everything I create. So it's really, really hard. Like some people go, that was really, really good. I was like, I didn't listen to it and I won't listen to it because it's just like I don't have the, I can't hear it correctly as everyone else hears it. Well, yeah, there's to me, that's kind of, you got, I get, can get fatigue on, like, you know, if I'm working on a song too, you know what I mean? Like I've heard it a fucking million times at this point and show it to somebody the first time they hear it. It's like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, they like it because they, you didn't hear it a fucking million times, <laughs> but like, you know, to me, I get kind of burnt out and start to, yeah, get me like, oh man, this, I'm just not happy with this. Like, but at the end of the day, sometimes you just, you just kind of maybe got to sleep on it. Um, I've done that with things like there's, I have a bunch of stuff. I honestly, I have unreleased. I need to put out there. And I've just, just haven't just like sitting on it. Um, it's kind of a shame because like, you know, there's really no reason not to, um, but we should collaborate on a song. Let's do it. Yeah. My I mean, Dick you know, by Mickey Avalon. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a classic. Um, yeah, I got my, uh, got my rapper name already. I changed my name on, <laughs> on a uh, Twitter to uh i don't know where this came from but i'm pretty sure it was like we were just bullshitting and coming up with the come up with names is qualm smoothie <laughs> i don't know why but it just hit i was like dude that's a good that's a good fucking name well why don't you tell people where they can find your links at there david your podcast links any other links you'd like to promote well it says basically at historic hole on twitter instagram we're on tiktok now and then you can you know itunes spotify historic hole two words uh, uh there but uh obviously in the handles it's one word but uh but yeah that's you know you can find us there we're on youtube too uh the video aspect you, know, you get that um so yeah i mean we have i have a couple of new co-hosts um got uh, baki and got milk and they've been adding some good stuff to it, you know, good new energy. You know what I mean? It's like, it's good to kind of like mix it up. And I liked it. I was happy. I heard, I got a mention. I was like, Hey, someone's recognizing me for my JFK work. So before real quick, let me ask you this, because this is kind of what I get the sense of from the listening to the JFK stuff, listen to the Oren Blakey episodes. I was like, okay, to me, it kind of seems like what, what's going on. If we got to, you know, make an assumption, right. Or like based on what we see there, it's like, it kind of seems like it's a two-part effort with because like CIA and the mafia were both intertwined with the Castro assassination stuff and all that. You know, they had this working relationship already. It kind of seems like that's what's extended here. It's like, is that what you think or what, what's your take on if it? If you listen to the Orr episode and you heard me say something and then John Orr goes, where's the documentation on that? Because he didn't believe it. 
Well, after we recorded that podcast episode was the next or after actually released it, the next day is when Tucker Carlson went on there and said that an MK Ultra doctor that visited Ruby was exactly what I was telling John Orr about. And he goes, Robbie, is this what you were talking about? I go, yes, it was. And I have the documentation to back it up. But sadly, it took Tucker Carlson to verify it for everybody else. Um, I'll talk to you about it off air. I'm not going to talk about it um, on air. Um, but we can wrap up real quick and we can just chat a little bit off air. But I appreciate the time you gave me, David, to talk about um, everything. I do appreciate yeah, yeah, seeing you yeah. man. You look yeah, fucking dude. great, dude. I appreciate it, man. It's always good to see you too, man. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank. Stay tuned for our next episode.